Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So today's guest is an absolute delight. She's also a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Candace Nelson. And you might know her because she is the co-founder of Sprinkles Cupcakes and Pisana. She's also a judge on Netflix's Sugar Rush. And she was also a judge on Cupcake Wars when that was on the Food Network. She is an incredible entrepreneur. She's a great mom. She's a great friend. And what I love about Candace is that she has created a life that is so expansive, right? One thing that I keep with me as sort of the cornerstone of this podcast is that I know that we will only see that which we believe. So I do my best every single episode to show you a new possibility, to help you chart a course to something that is more expansive, more abundant, to help you really see that it is absolutely possible that you can step into that future self, that self that's been calling you, that self that you can't stop dreaming about, where you wake up to a life that you love, a life where you get to feel like you are in alignment, living out your purpose, doing that thing that you do, that when you do it, time stands still and you get paid. You you make an abundant amount of money doing things that never feel like a job. I hope that you're seeing that and I hope that you're starting to get that every single episode. We talked a few days ago about podcasting and how podcasting absolutely was something that completely changed my world. It has brought me opportunities. It has given me a chance to make an impact in so many countries. It has given me so much of of an education. I've learned so much from all of these guests and I feel so incredibly rewarded doing this work. And it has brought two book deals into my life. It has brought multi-seven figures and soon to be eight figures into my life. That is yet another thing that I hope that you're starting to see is a possibility. And if you want to learn more about podcasting, go definitely check out the episode I did a few days ago on podcasting because there was a lot in there. But I also just want to let you know, in case you don't know, that if you sign up for Made to Do This, which is my signature 12-week immersive coaching program, you get my podcasting program for free as a bonus if you sign up early for my Made to Do This program. My podcasting program is called Everyone Can Podcast, and it will walk you through step-by-step how you can start your own podcast. And you will get it for free if you join Made to Do This, which is my signature 12-week interactive coaching experience. That program, by the way, Made to Do This, if you sign up by May 14th, you will save $1,000. So I just want to make sure that you hear that because we will be officially opening the doors in a few weeks and the price will be $1,000 more. So if you want to save $1,000, you can go to madetodothis.com. If you have any questions about Made to Do This, about this transformational 12-week epic journey that I will be taking you on, you can DM me at my Instagram at kathy.heller or you can email me at hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com. Be happy to answer any questions. You can find out more information by going to the website made to do this.com. But the whole point of this program, the whole point of this podcast is to help you step into who you were meant to be and to help you have the most epic experience of this life. So today you're going to hear from Candace Nelson. She is an ultimate entrepreneur. She's a super talented pastry chef. She hosts the Live to Eat podcast where she interviews culinary personalities and celebrities about their passion for food. She's had some awesome guests on like Fred Savage and Jesse Tyler Ferguson and so many more. So definitely go check it out. My kids love Candace because they're huge fans of Sugar Rush, but I love her because she's such an incredible friend. She's so humble. She's so generous. And she has so much knowledge that she's going to share with you today about building a business and overcoming the self-doubt that we all face on the journey. Actually, Candace was a special guest in our Made to Do This program. We have so many amazing guest experts that come to join us. In fact, during the next session of Made to Do This, if you sign up, you will be having a special guest session with Gabby Bernstein, Shalene Johnson, Allie Webb, and Amy Tangerine, and so many more. So by being in Made to Do This, not only are you going to be with me live on Zoom for 12 weeks doing some serious coaching and building your business, but you also get to sit in on conversations like this and ask questions directly to these kinds of experts. And like I said, just two more days until the price goes up. So grab your spot now, go to madetodothis.com. I cannot wait to be with you for 12 weeks. It's going to be a complete transformation. Buckle your seatbelt. It's going to be amazing. All right, without further ado, please welcome the incredible Candace Nelson. Candice, welcome back. So nice Thank to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here and to meet your group. This is very exciting. So cool. So 
As many of you know, Candice is such an entrepreneur and she is also a creative and she also is so good with her imagination. And it's really fun when you meet people who are so good at business, but also love to build worlds around things that are the kinds of things our eight-year-old selves would be proud of us for building. And I think that that's what's so unique about you, Candice, is that you found a way to make beautiful things that also were like things that brought joy to everyone upon even just looking, glancing at, at what, what it is that you make. And you do this over and over again. That's kind of like a through line. You have that Willy Wonka effect, but you didn't always do this. You had a, a journey of your own. So I thought it might be neat if we looked at where you were and what it took for you to get out of that seat, the role mm -hmm. you were playing, because you were pretty good at it and take the risk. Mm -hmm. let's look at that part of the journey first. And then let's see if we can sort of like extract some of the ingredients of what helped you build this empire. Absolutely. Well, you've already hit on so many things that are just getting me very excited to chat, Kathy. <laughs> so thank you for that. I mean, really like when you talk about my eight-year-old self, I truly have made my play my work, but to your point, it, it wasn't always like that. You know, I grew up in a more traditional non-entrepreneurial family. My dad was a lawyer. In fact, a little bit different. He was um, general counsel for a multinational company that took us to different places around the world. Yeah. And so we were constantly on the move and we were constantly moving. And that really plays into my story. I'm not just telling you that for no reason. Yeah. Um, but both my parents' education was really big in our household. Like my mom had gone to Cal, my dad had gone to Yale and then Harvard Law School. And like education was of utmost importance. And yep. so even though I I'm a more creative person. I definitely took this very traditional sort of rigorous academic path. Yeah. I went to a boarding school, a very academic boarding school for 10th through 12th grade. And then I went to a very you know, liberal arts, but you know, rigorous college. And then out of that, I was recruited. I, I, I wanted to follow down my very right path, right? This is the path, the ladder of success that you keep, you know, just moving along ultimately gets you to this successful place. And then, you know, happily ever after. Sure. So I was recruited. Or so you think. <laughs> right. Right. That's what I was told. I was sold a bill of goods, Kathy. Um, and so I was recruited into this investment bank, which is really, you know, high profile, very, you know, prestigious job. And I spent the first two years of my career life crunching numbers into the wee hours of the night. Hard to and picture you doing that. It was soul crushing, you know, and I thought, wow, this is what I worked so hard for. Um, and so that was actually during the late nineties. I was in San Francisco. It was the dot-com boom. If any of you will remember all those like dot-com companies were first going public. And so I ended up going to work for one of those companies. And then as you'll recall, there was that dot-com bust. Yeah. I heard and about so, it. <laughs> do you hear about that one? <laughs> so a few years later, I was completely out of a job and, you know, basically all these companies had gone under, there were no job prospects. Everyone was leaving San Francisco in droves. There was, I, I remember a six week wait for a U-Haul because everyone was moving out of San Francisco, oh but nobody was moving back. So here I was in my, you know, late twenties and the worst had happened, right? I'd done everything I was supposed to do. And I was completely out of a job with no prospects. <sighs> so that was the first aha where it was like, oh, you can do everything you're supposed to do and it doesn't work out. So kind of early on in my life, I was staring failure in the face, right? It's like, oh, what do I do now? And the funniest thing happened. I kind of went through this mini depression and I spent a lot of time on the couch watching Martha Stewart and Oprah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, such a, you know, I'm, I'm good for nothing. I'm just sitting on the couch. But what it did is it was like the first time in my life that I just wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And my mind started to go and I started to imagine things. And I saw Martha playing with her cakes in the kitchen. And I saw Oprah talking to people who'd done amazing things with their life. And I just started playing in my kitchen. And I started like imagining things that I didn't think were possible because I'd always been on this track. And because of that, I decided to go to pastry school. I realized, you know, I think probably a lot of people can relate to this. You have a passion, you have a hobby, 
you love to do it. You find yourself lost when you're doing it. I would spend hours in the kitchen baking. I was like challenged, creatively challenged. Like I'd lose track of time. I was totally in my flow. Right. But then there's that sort of piece of you that says, well, I, maybe I need to protect this. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do because this is my joy and this is my escape. Sure. So do I really want to make my passion and my hobby, my work? I don't know. So pastry school was kind of where I went to test getting up early, putting on my chef whites, working with my hands and just figuring out what that felt like and whether I wanted to do that every day. And what I realized was I did want to do that every day. And I loved how tangible and tactile it was. And I love this idea of like making something concrete that I could hand to someone or sell to somebody and actually see the benefit, right? Like see the joy on their face, like hear like from them. It's immediate. Immediate gratification. Yeah. Yeah. It felt really good. Yeah. And it's such a simple transaction of like, here's something that's like making you smile and it's not complicated. It's just like, here's some love, right? That's what food is. I mean, food communicates that very well. Exactly. And I think, you know, around that time as well, we went through 9-11 and I think so many of us were having a crisis of conscience during that time. And and I, for one was like, oh, well, I feel like I need to give back in some way. Like I need to be contributing in some way. I know that I'm not going to go work for the government and, you know, I I don't speak Arabic. Like, how am I going to help? And I decided that I didn't have to necessarily help in a large way. I just needed to be doing something meaningful. And so for me, that was, you know, bringing joy through food. And that ended up being that tiny little piece of joy, which was the cupcake. And through that, even though it's like in the whole scope of things, it wasn't a big deal. It is the deal. It's the deal, right? Like these little bits of joy, these little bits of connection, that's what we all live for. So that was it's, all happening in the background as well. It's amazing. And it is so true, right? Like it's that line from Dead Poet Society where he says like math and science, he says, you know, this is what sustains us boys. He says, but that's not what we live for. We live mm-hmm. for the romance and the art and the poetry and the music. Mm-hmm. That's what we live for. And so, yes, yeah, those moments when people are walking down Main Street and they walk into a cupcakery or they go to a bead store and like that made the night right? The fact that there were roads, it's helpful, right? Helpful that there's like, you know, infrastructure, but the fact that there's also, I think one, one more person in the world who's in alignment, whose Mm -hmm. lights are turned on, who's doing Mm -hmm. what they feel they were supposed to do is the right move. Right. And I think that's such an incredibly important piece of it. I mean, there are certainly people out there that are espousing, you know, just find a white space and, you know, solve a problem and put it out there and there'll be a place for it and you'll make money. Sure. But for me, like the passion is the critical piece of it because it is like people can feel it from you. It may, and it makes the journey so much easier because there are a lot of obstacles when you're, you know, going at something on your own and and trying to create something meaningful. And it's going to be the fuel to help you keep going. And then, you know, part and parcel with that is this purpose. And for me, that purpose was this piece of joy, but also I have found that cupcakes and now with pizza, but over food, just in general, like this is something we can all agree on, right? We live in these very sort of fractured times where everybody's fighting, you know, why are we all fighting? And it's like, I don't thrive in those environments. And Mm -hmm. I want to be in a place where everybody's like just agreeing on something. It makes me feel better. And, and it's a happier place for me to exist. And so I found that little corner in my bakery. And what I love about it is um, when we create from our heart, from our imagination, we put more of that possibility in the world for other people. And so by you creating a business that was pure inspiration. Like, it's like, this is passion. This is fun. This is what I'd really, if I could have anything, this is what I'd want to have my magic wand sort of create. It creates that abundance. There's a portal now like, oh, look at what she's doing. And look how many people copied you, were inspired by you. And then other types of foods and businesses then fell in line with what they saw could be possible for them. Like creating that more abundant look at how we can show up and work in the world is major for people. And you're such a go-to that giving people permission to dream in this way. 
Uh, not to mention the people you directly hired, how many sprinkle shops there were, how many people worked on the show, how many people worked at Pisana, like how much directly you created. But I mean, just the example of who you are and what that opened up for people. Yeah. And I mean, it took me, you know, until my late twenties, early thirties to even realize like, oh, I can live outside of this box. Like I just was kind of in this structure where I felt like there were certain rules I had to play by. And then all of a sudden they all fell apart and, and my challenge really became the opportunity, right? Like, I don't know if I'd continued to have that high paying job that I would have been able to walk away, at least not initially. And, and there's this term in investment banking, we call it the golden handcuffs because you know, you end up going up that ladder and making so much money that at a certain point, no matter how much you hate it, you're never going to leave because you're making so much money. You can't justify it. Absolutely. I was lucky. I got out. Yeah, you got out. And let's talk about making money because I think making the money part though is where people start to feel like things come off the rails, right? Because it's one thing to take a deep breath and it's one thing to get your hands messy and start to build something that you're enjoying. Mm -hmm. But once you think about getting the first customer and the second and the 10th, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How does this actually happen? So we talked about this a little on the first time you were here, but just to catch people up and it's been a little bit of a time since then. And I think that we can go even more you know, detailed into certain pieces now and sort of go more nuanced with it. But in the beginning, how did you go from, okay, I like making this too. I just sold a dozen cupcakes. So this has always been really hard for me. Like I am one of those people that's like, no, no, just take it, have it, you know? Right, right. And, and I- <laughs> All, it all makes me very uncomfortable. Like sure. even still, I'm okay with it now. Obviously I've been in business for a long time. So I've like made my peace. But back in the early days, I mean, I just underchart. I was losing money on everything. And I think it took, you know, basically I first started selling cupcakes to friends. Okay. That's how any business starts. Sure. And you think, okay, you know, my friends are being nice to me. They're buying my cupcakes. But then- they would take my cupcakes to an event and other people, at the event would call me and I'd say, Oh, how did you get my number? And they'd say, Oh, well, you know, Sally, uh, Sally's baby shower. I was like, Oh, okay, great. Happy to help. And then I started getting calls and I could not trace how they got my number. And one of those people was the producer for the Tyra Banks show. I was like, how did you hear about me? I'm literally <laughs> making cupcakes out of my West Hollywood apartment. And so at a certain point, like, the value that you're bringing is undeniable. Right. And, but even so, you know, that period of time between when I was selling out of my house and then when I established sprinkles as a business in a retail space, there was a big jump in price as you would imagine. And I was so nervous about it. And I was so worried and all my customers I'd been serving, the price was going up and this and that. And I mean, I have a great partner in my business, my husband, Charles, and he just was like, Candace, you got to stop. Your, your product is amazing. We use the best ingredients. People are going to walk in and get it. And I was like, they're not, they're not. And sure enough, we built this beautiful temple to cupcakes. And what was so interesting was people did talk about the price, but the price intrigued them. The price made them think, huh, this is something different. This is not the 75 cent cupcake I'm getting at Ralph's, which it wasn't. This is a $3 cupcake. Why is that? And so they would buy maybe even just because they were intrigued, right? And so there's this implied value that I didn't even understand was going to happen. And then once they tasted the product, they got it, right? So the price didn't deter anyone. In fact, it became almost like a talking point that sold. It became like, there was like a mystery to it. I love when you said built a beautiful temple to cupcakes because it really is. And I used to live right by the original sprinkles and it's, you walk in and like, you're just transported. It's so beautiful. Like it's so refined. There's such an elevated energy in the space. Everything is intentional. Every single dot, right? And I use that word purposely, but everything is just so deliberate in, in such a, to create an experience, to have a transcendent experience from the second you walk in, it doesn't feel like you're in a grocery store. So this is so key because in Made to Do This, we have been talking about price and it is so uncomfortable for people. Just like you said, like, I don't want to charge my friends and family or I can't think of, you know, putting this out there. But like you said, it was almost as though the price made them curious about, so what actually 
is this thing I'm buying, right? If I'm not buying price, if I'm not buying 75 cents and that's what's selling me on the thing, then what actually communicates the value and how do you do that? Cause you've done it so well, especially in LA where you started and people were like, not talking about anything other than losing weight. And you got them to spend three and a half times what they would normally spend on something that they didn't even want. They wanted it. I think people don't know what they're buying until you tell them. I mean, certainly they could taste a great cupcake, but they didn't understand until I was behind the counter saying, do you understand the cupcakes that you normally are eating are made from a mix. Their frosting is made with shortening. Like they're in plastic clamshells. They're all made in the morning by one baker. So they're, by the time you get to the store the next day, by the way, you're probably getting them two or three days later. They're not fresh. Like that's what the 75 cents stands for. The $3 stands for the world's best cocoa, the world's best vanilla. The fact that we're baking in small batches all throughout the day. So when you come at the end of the day, you're still getting a fresh cupcake. By the way, you're never getting a day-old cupcake because all of those cupcakes are going to homeless shelters. So being that, and that's where the passion comes in, Kathy, because I was standing behind that counter every day and I was like this brand proselytizer, right? I was like this ambassador that just like wouldn't shut up about these cupcakes. <laughs> and I, anyone who wasn't convinced by the time they tasted the cupcake was convinced by the time I'd told them the whole story. And so fast forward to Pizzana today, we've done the same thing in again, carb conscious LA with pizza where it's like, no, this is a special type of pizza. These are all the ingredients. This is how we make it. And by the way, people are so, they love to be educated. They want to feel like they know what they're buying and what they're doing. And they want to know why what they're buying is better than the rest. So you're doing them a service. It's amazing. I just, this morning I woke up and I typed this into my Instagram post and I said, you know, there's a reason why people will buy Jimmy Choo or Manolo Blahnik or Valentino. Like you can find other shoes that fit your feet, mm-hmm. but you're not buying shoes. You're buying a vibration. It's really more about, this is what I think about the story. I tell myself about what I'm worth or what, who I am or what I do or how it makes me feel right putting on this particular sweatshirt or having this kind of an experience or a cupcake. And it's almost like when you don't hold in that energy, you're almost denying them Mm -hmm. a transformation. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to, as we all know, you don't have to convince everyone, right? You don't have to convince everyone, but the people who walked out that door, heard my story, tasted the cupcake, felt the difference, went and told 10 friends. Yeah. So that's even more powerful oh than sitting behind the counter. That that's, organic word of mouth, right? Yeah. That's almost even more interesting to think about the fact that by putting a stake in the ground for a particular level of quality, mm-hmm. you are calling out to a smaller group of people who won't just like it. They will rave about it. And then they won't be able to not tell everyone they know, which is not the way we're taught. And when we grow up in this culture, we want everyone to like us. And we don't really think about how much more valuable it might be to be who we really are and have the people who we are meant to be there for really feel seen by us and stop trying to please everybody. And as women, that is what we try to do. So thank you for shining a light on that because it, it's hard to, to realize that not everyone is your people. Yeah. I mean, it's really powerful what, what you're talking about in the work that I'm doing. I think a lot of people meet resistance. There is, um, I'm afraid to not be liked by everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid to be rejected. I'm afraid that someone's going to say, who does she think she is charging that? What does she think she's doing? And, and let's talk about that because as an entrepreneur, I'm sure that you've read a couple of reviews you didn't like. I'm sure there've been people who doubted what you would be able to do and how liberating is it to see that you can survive that? You could tolerate it. Mm-hmm. How do you walk through that? Well, I do think obviously being an entrepreneur, a small business owner, resilience is so key, right? So it's, it's really about betting on yourself. 
I mean, it's life, right? We've all been through periods of time that have been so hard and I encourage everybody to think back to those times and like, how did you get through? And you did get through and, and look where you are now and realize that like, you can get through anything and you can fall flat on your face and get up and dust yourself off and keep on going. And that's sort of, once you realize like you are going to be okay, if the worst happens, you still got you and you're going to be okay. Then the rest is just small stuff. Now, not that the small stuff doesn't hurt sometimes. And I actually, it's so funny. We're talking about this, Kathy, because I'm a wall street journal contributor. I have an article coming out and the topic of the article is how to take your business seriously, basically, but not too personally, if you're a sensitive soul. So a lot of us are creative. So we're also tend to be a little more sensitive. And it's, it's such an interesting thing to go into business with something like these cupcakes were like my babies, right? Nobody wants to be told their baby is no good. (laughs) So you do have to develop a little bit of a thicker skin. Nobody should develop a thick skin, but it is really about the reframing, right? It's like, if these people have taken their time, this person has taken their time to say, you know what? My cupcake was overcooked or I didn't like that flavor as much as I thought I was going to, you know, instead of just like crumbling into a ball and being like, they don't like my cupcakes. You have to realize they're giving you a gift, right? They're giving you feedback that you can take and use to strengthen your business. And that was a journey for me too, because to what I said earlier, like it's, it was very meaningful and personal to me. Yeah. It's all so important. I think that people are feeling so lifted by these words and people like you, it can be easy to be like, she's, she's just blessed. She's just lucky. And I think it takes so much courage to put yourself out there in the way that you do and keep showing up. I'm sure there's a million hiccups along the way. Even in the last year, having to figure out what do you do with people? Do you furlough people? But even when there's not a global pandemic, it just takes so much courage. And it's important for us to to really get what this looks like. It's not luck. It's called being willing to keep showing up, keep leading your way through it, being uncomfortable, figuring things out, being resourceful. And speaking of which, this is what I wanted you to maybe um, share because it's such a cool moment, the Oprah moment. Oh my gosh. But I wanted you to share that because I find that when people have the courage Mm -hmm. to put two feet in, it's amazing how quickly the universe can move, right? Mm -hmm. Like when, when you go all in and you show up and then the things, the opportunities that might come from you fully stepping into your calling. So that was a really good example of that. Tell them what happened with the, with the Oprah situation. So let me set the stage just really quickly for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with the sprinkle story, but so my husband, and I opened sprinkles in 2005. It was the first ever cupcakes only bakery. We elevated, you know, the lowly cupcake that people had been buying in supermarkets into this artisanal, very luxury treat, but everyone thought we were going to fail. Everyone thought this was a terrible idea. First of all, the South beach diet and the Atkins diet were like top of the New York times bestseller list, right? (laughs) Particularly in, in LA or, you know, first, first of all, no one's eating carbs. And then on top of that, there was like a global low carb diet craze. And then on top of that, it was the first ever cupcakes only bakery. People were like, well, it hasn't been done before. There must be a good reason why you're not going to be able to do it. It was a really tight real estate market. So we couldn't find any place to open. We ended up having to like buy out a sandwich shop in Beverly Hills. So we ended up spending way more money than we ever thought. And we had no idea if anyone was showing up. So luckily there was this email newsletter that used to go out called Daily Candy. And it was sort of like, what's hot and new in LA that day? That went out on our first day and we had a line our first day. We sold out. And so we went from being like, we have no idea if we're going to have customers to how are we going to make enough cupcakes? And it was very overwhelming and thrilling all at the same time. So the first, I would say eight months of our business. I mean, I, I blacked out because I got two hours of sleep a night. I would sometimes sleep on the bakery floor. There was, we had no idea what we were doing. We had no systems. We had no employees. We were just like going on fumes. We literally would ask our friends to come in on the weekends who were like writers and actors. And they were like, sure, why not? We didn't pay them. They just like helped put cupcakes in boxes. So that's to just set the stage. We had just gotten through our first holiday season and in LA, it's very much a culture of gift giving all the studios, all the agencies, all the, everybody wanted to send 
the hot new gift with that year, which was sprinkles. I mean, including Katie Holmes and Tom Cruise. If you remember, they were big fans. They sent to everyone on their list. And let me tell you, their list is huge. So we had just gotten through this first holiday season and Charles and I were beyond, we were like, I look back at the pictures. I weighed 20 pounds less. Like it was so stressful, thrilling, but so stressful. And we were exhausted. So Sure enough, it was sort of like a, a Monday around closing time. We'd like turned off the ovens. A phone call comes in. The caller ID says Harpo Studios. And, you know, Harpo Studios had a, you know, an office in LA. So it wasn't, I wasn't thinking Oprah was calling. I was just like, oh, their office just needs some cupcakes. And I picked up and the producer said, oh, hi, yes. And um, can I speak with Candace? And I'm like, oh, this, this is Candace. Do you need some cupcakes? And she yeah, was like, yes. Yeah. I actually, Oprah needs some cupcakes. I was like, oh, she does. And I'm thinking she's, you know, maybe needs a, them for a party. She goes, yeah, for her show. I'm like, what? And I'm like almost dropping the phone. And she goes, right. Um, tomorrow in Chicago, 350 of them. And I was like, when the most amazing opportunity just like drops in your lap and you're thinking, I don't even think that's possible. She said, don't worry. We're going to send a messenger to pick up those cupcakes. And I was like, Oh my God. No, 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 you're not. I mean, can you imagine like boxing up those precious cupcakes and sticking them like underneath the plane and hoping they show up? I mean, you see how your luggage arrives when <laughs> was like, that will be a wasted opportunity. So I said, don't worry. We got this. So I hang up the phone. I yelled at the back of the kitchen. I'm like fire up the ovens. We're making 350 <laughs> cupcakes for Oprah. And when I tell you like again, a blur, but we baked and frosted and packaged those cupcakes. We stacked boxes up to here in bags, Charles, myself, and, and his brother who happened to be in town are like wheeling through the airport. We took a red eye to Chicago, hand carrying all those cupcakes. It was like going through security. We had to take each box out and put it through security. Luckily it was late at night at the airport. It was not like a big line behind us, but anyone who gave us any stink eye, we were like, we're going Oprah. So the next morning we showed up and we were plating all these cupcakes. We watched Oprah roll in. Like it's like five in the morning or four in the morning. She has no makeup or hair or anything. She just like rolls in all groggy. And I'm like, having a moment, you know, this is what, this is the woman who got me through like so much. So, and then Mary J. Blige walks in. She's the musical guest on the show. Of course she does. Of course. Oh my God. (laughs) And so these cupcakes go out to her studio audience. She talks about them as being like one of her favorite things in LA. And I am watching backstage, just incredulous that this is happening. I mean, this is like beyond a dream come true. And as we were leading, one of the producers said, um, you just might want to like, I don't know. Um, I don't know, get somebody else to answer phones. Cause when this airs in a couple of weeks, you're probably going to see an uptick in business. We're like, don't worry. We like installed new phone lines. We hired up and even with all of our preparation, Kathy, I mean, it was like, we still have all the pictures lines around city blocks for months. We had calls coming in from around the world. Like how do we get our hands on sprinkles cupcakes in London, in Dubai? And I mean, it was, it was a, like a life changing experience. It's incredible. And I totally started crying because oh, well, so- I think that we are so conditioned that like, Oh, this person, you know, saved someone from a bus, you know, oh, they deserve our attention or, you know, this person won an Olympic medal. So, but to see just like a, a regular girl, just like, like the moment of like watching your dream come true. It's just like, everyone deserves that. And that's such an incredible thing. The fact that a, you had done what you had done to take the steps to be in that moment to be there when the phone rang, that that all that had happened, that you didn't know that that was coming. And also that you said, yes, Mm -hmm. but I'm getting on that plane because a, there are times where so many people get there. They're like, I'm not ready or call me back in a year or how are we going to get these to Chicago? There's no way I can do 350 cupcakes in the next two hours and get them there. Right. Yes. And then you said, no, Mm-hmm. I'm going like, I'm, I'm not seeing this through. Moment. Yeah. And you walked through the airport and like you showed up and you showed up. Right. And like, that's really, that's why you're sitting here right now. Like I've said to you, this is what you do now. 
yes, you're a master at all of the parts of business. And yes, you understand how to make something delicious, but it's giving other people this, right? Which is like, you're going to dream bigger than you believed you were allowed to. Mm -hmm. And that's really your job is like, think bigger, see it bigger. Like you're a visionary and you, you teach people to, to dream new dreams. Thank you, Kathy. I hope so. I mean, there's nothing more rewarding than watching someone's dream come true. If you can even have just a little bit of part of that. And you know what you guys, like the other piece of this is you heard what she said about how she grew up and, and we we've had this conversation so many times I've talked to my audience about how we grow up to believe that love is earned, right? It's earned. If you get straight A's, you're loved. If you are skinny, if you win the championship, like absolutely. Right. So to have really aced it and you decide to change the dance that you're not going to be the the girl who does the thing that her parents, you know, go to the party and like, Oh, my daughter works at a hedge fund. Oh, my daughter's a doctor. Oh, my my doc, my daughter's making cupcakes. It's like to risk. It's like that line in wicked where she says, well, if that's love, it comes at much too high a cost, you know? Mm. And like, not to say that your parents don't love you for who that you are, but the world you lived in the, the grooming that you had over and over again, to be willing to veer from that at all takes so much courage because it would have been so easy for you to do something very safe Mm -hmm. and stay within the identity Mm -hmm. of what was part of that world. And you, you just said, I'm out. Mm -hmm. You get me, Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) You see me. It's amazing. And um, I think that that's, that comes through in what you do. So you've then gone on to dream even bigger dreams. So how did the idea for a TV show come to you? Well, the idea for the first TV show, which was Cupcake Wars, literally came to me. It was a production company in LA and they were, this this is actually a funny story. The producer was driving down Little Santa Monica, which Mm -hmm. was the location of the first Sprinkles Cupcakes. And a few years later, there was a competitor of ours who came in from New York and opened up literally a block away. Yep. And we we're like, really? LA is a big town. You could have couldn't gone somewhere else, but whatever. Okay. It didn't last though. They went away. <laughs> I remember. So, so the producer's driving down little Santa Monica. She passes that cupcake shop. She passes our cupcake shop and she goes, it's a goddamn cupcake war out there. And that <laughs> was her idea. And so she went to food network and pitched this idea for a docu-series. She wanted to follow all these different bakeries and how they were like competing it out and, you know, duking it out in the market. And Food Network said, actually competition series are doing really well for us right now. We love the name. Like, can you come back to us with the competition series? And they had actually come to me when it was in a docu-series form and they said, let's do this. And I was like, no, 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 I am just trying to survive, survive here. I do not need cameras following me around. (laughs) Like this is an actual business. This isn't just for fun anymore. Um, and so when they came back to me with competition, I said, sure, I'd love to be a judge. That'd be really fun to be up there at the judge's table, have a front row seat to all of this great, you know, pastry talent out there in the country. And what was so unique about that show is it really was like shining a light into what was going on in our industry, which was that there were so many cupcake shops popping up across the country and people were really duking it out. And they were coming to the cupcake war stage to like, you know, claim their title and take it back to their hometown and, you know, be the pride of their hometown. So that was really fun. And there was a, you know, we did 10 seasons, a hundred episodes of that. And then that was done. And hundred episodes. It was crazy. Just it was whatever, crazy. just on the side. And then what happened was Netflix came about and started creating their own content. You know, for a while it was just all these reruns and then right. started creating their own content. They realized that they needed something in this space. And they came to me and said, Hey, like, do you want to do something? And I was like, yes, I haven't eaten a lot of cake recently. <laughs> Let's Let's come up with another dessert competition idea. So uh, that was the genesis of Sugar Rush. And so far, three seasons of Sugar Rush on Netflix. For those of you who've watched it, thank you so much. 
And that's been really fun too. But beyond cupcakes now, it's confections and cakes and all sorts of delicious pastries. It's just so cool. And and I saw one of our um, students, she's like, I've transformed so much in the last few months. And, and this conversation, I think, is so transformative, right? And I think Aww. that, you know, I'm a big fan of, of meditation and really getting to center. And I notice how often, because I meditate every single day, and I notice how often when I come home to that place, that still quiet place where I'm not in my, my narrative. I'm not in resistance. I'm in that, that place where I really feel that I am able to see clearly. Mm-hmm. I feel in that place that you can collapse time and space. Mm. And, and in that place, if you think a thought, it's incredible how much more you could make happen from really clearly like dreaming up what really feels like it would be magnificent? What would I really love? What do I really desire? And when you have that thought, it's incredible how quickly things can, can start to fall into place. But when we're pushing and we're, we're not connected and we're not using our imagination or, or taking the time, like you said, the, the origin of this story was I took some time to just like, watch some TV and make some space Mm -hmm. to allow for the divine download, so to speak, Mm -hmm. the inspired thought. And you seem to keep doing that. And I I feel like in, in our lives, a lot of times there's sort of an upper limit on the way we see the world Mm -hmm. and we keep living inside of that perimeter. And what I noticed that you do is you do it over and over again. It's like, okay, this would be expansive. Let's build that. Oh my gosh. You know what else would be expansive (laughs) if we did this? And like you said about 20 minutes ago, you realize the world can be different than how you may have been taught to see it. Mm -hmm. See a bigger or a different angle on what's actually here. I think that is so exciting. How do you keep flexing that muscle, dreaming bigger, seeing a whole next level of things? And how can you maybe teach other people to tap into that ability? I think, first of all, I so believe in the practice of meditation. I think it's so like valuable that you're speaking about your experience with that because it really is about allowing the space. I mean, our human nature, like when we feel stressed and busy, we just our nature is just to grind away and grind away and grind away. And then there's nothing left, right? It's like, I really believe in allowing time for meditation, for play, for sleep, for all of these things that nourish our body and our soul so that we can be more restored and have more to give. I mean, even just, you know, I have the most incredible brainstorms when I'm walking. There's something about forward momentum, right? Walking, hiking in nature. Someone actually said to me the other day, I always think of things when I'm driving in the car, I do think there's something about forward momentum. And then that's sort of like, you know, an analogy for what you're doing too. You're like continuing forward with all these ideas that you get. I actually jokingly sometimes say I have entrepreneurial ADD. It's like, I just can't leave well enough alone. Why, why do I got to start another business? Why I got to start another two or three businesses? Sometimes just, just let's see it through to completion first. <laughs> because you're so creative and that's what comes to you. It's almost like you seeing the seed of that whole other world, that whole other bridge. You're like, don't you see it? It's right there. Like that's almost your superpower. Like even more than the fact that you actually do build things really well you can see them. And then boom, there's the portal. There's the door right there. And I feel so blessed to have had my journey and to have been able to turn my passion into something viable, into this amazing business that I am now, I can't help, but look to other passionate entrepreneurs to help them try to realize their dreams. So Pizzana, which is our, you know, Neo Neapolitan pizzeria. We have two locations in Los Angeles and we're expanding, starting to expand across the country. But that came about because I met Daniele Uditi. He was this, just recently arrived from Naples, Italy. He had been living in his vanny. He came to the United <laughs> States with $200 and I tasted his pizza at a party and I took one bite and I, I was like, where is the chef? 
And I went to go find him. We chatted all night and he happened to say, oh, I just would love to have my own place someday. We're just talking about, you know, he was a sprinkles fan. I was obviously a fan of his pizza. And I, I, I couldn't help myself. I just blurted out, well, we should do that together. I just saw it. I was like, <laughs> look at this, look at this passionate pizziola. His product is so amazing. Like I could see the tables. I could see the menus. It just came together for me. And we've done the same thing with this um, occupational therapist, this woman, Dr. Allie Tickton, she wanted to have her own, you know, educational center to help children develop to their fullest. And she's an amazing woman. She helped my children through some sensory development issues. And so we've helped her launch that. And it's like, I want to see every passionate entrepreneur be able to realize their dream. I mean, there's just so many pieces, but one of the things that you do, and you just said it again with Pizzana is like, you're like, I could see, I could see the menus. I could see the tablecloths and, and sprinkles is so well architected the design of it, everything, the branding, everything, the name, the simplicity, the, the modern mix with the color mix with the, how do you help entrepreneurs understand what goes into setting a tone for a brand and how the brand tells a story with those pieces. Mm -hmm. I think the brand identity is so important. And obviously, you know, it starts with the idea though, and, and the identity of your products. So for us, it really flowed from the fact that we were creating cupcakes that were elevated cupcakes that were unlike what people had seen before. So, you know, people used to think of cupcakes, maybe they still do as sort of grandma's kitchen, sure. you know, very, lots of pink, uh, maybe vintage mixers, doilies, all of these things that we said, no more, this is, this is not your grandma's kitchen. This is something new. This is something different. And so instead of creating a space that was sort of swimming in pink and feminine details, we created something that was very sort of neutral in the sense that, you know, there was color, but it was more gender neutral, right? It was like pops of playful color, but against this backdrop of warm woods. And we want, still wanted it to be, even though it was contemporary to be warm because a bakery has to be warm, right? So we use these really beautiful um, oak wood paneling. And so with a name like sprinkles, you know, we had to obviously use sprinkles in our cupcakes, but again, we didn't want anything to be expected. So for our signature sprinkle, we created this modern dot, which if you guys are familiar with sprinkles, you know, it's those sort of two contrasting colors. And not only was it fun and eye-catching and contemporary, but it was still playful. And it played on this idea of like, this is a sprinkle, but this is our sprinkle. Like we're, we're turning sprinkles on its head and, and giving you a sprinkle that you haven't seen before. So everything came about from the product itself. It was modern. It was artisanal. It was joyful, but still, you know, a little bit more elegant um, than you were used to seeing. And so kind of once you understand the crux of what you're selling, I think your brand identity can really flow out of that and just be reflective of that. Oh my God. Don't you guys love this so much? Because she's really talking about the different qualities and the values. And mm. I love it. Like we didn't want it to be expected and we wanted to be gender neutral and we wanted to be hip, but warm. And it, it's just when you start to really write down, like what are the things that you're conveying and then what colors would help tell that and what words would share that message, then you don't have to explain your price. You don't have to explain all the details and, and feel like you have to prove yourself every time you're really, you're bringing people into a world, essentially, like you're inviting people into a whole world, which tells them the story in and of itself. It's true. The brand identity is really trying to communicate your product without words, right? It's like giving yeah. them a feeling. And there would be people that would come into our store who were very design savvy and they'd, you know, pick out particular details or materials. And they say, well, I love how you did this. or you did that specifically. And that's always very rewarding because there's so much thought that that goes into it. But then most people would come in and say, oh, I just feel so good in here, you know, or, yeah. oh, this is like a really cool space. I don't know what it is, but I just love it. And they were excited to be there. And that's just as valuable, right? Because it's not that you want to hit people over the head with like, oh, look at how I, you know, did this special details just about like the feeling that your product is conveying. Absolutely. So important to spend time thinking about that and then 
maybe make like a vision board guys, like make mm-hmm. a move or go into Pinterest, pull some things together, see what starts to feel consistent for you. Um, so some of the questions, how did you choose your price? Why charge three and not more or less? Well, there was definitely, you know, cost of ingredients and a lot of labor, like there's certain costs that go sure. into creating that product into that pricing rather. And I had been at like, I mean, I think it was like $2 went out of my apartment, but I was doing a lot of really custom decorations. And so that was one of the things that I, and I think we talked about this on our first podcast, Kathy, but early on we opened, there was a line out the door and I was like trying to hand mold these fondant decorations. And (sighs) and Charles came in and he was like, Candace, people just want their cupcakes. They don't care about the custom decorations. I'm like, we have to do the custom decorations. He's like, no, we don't like, let's just do the sprinkles and the dots and like, get on with it. And I give him a lot of credit for that because I thought that was the crux of my business. I like people came to me for that. And I had to let that go because at the end of the day, that was going to hold up our business. So I raised the price to three. It doesn't seem cutting edge now because everybody just immediately then raised their price to three. And everybody was like, oh, that's just what cupcakes cost now. But at the time, I mean, really cupcakes were like 75 cents at this, at the supermarket. So there was an ingredient cost. And then there was also just a cost of like, this is a luxury cupcake and um, a beautiful gift because that was one of the things we wanted sprinkles to be as well Is like, if you are going to someone's baby shower, if you're going to someone's house for a dinner party, that this would be an elegant gift. It would, it would speak to, you know, luxury and quality. Yeah. And I think it's a reminder that you get to choose your fishing hole and that sure you might've priced out certain people who were looking for a different price cupcake for a different reason, but then there would be people at that price point who were so attracted to it because it was $3. Mm -hmm. Like there are always going to be those people. Also at the time, if you'll remember like Starbucks was everywhere charging, you know, three fifty for a latte. And, and, and so as much as I thought, Oh, no, one's going to pay $3 for a cupcake. I thought, and people come in and I would use that as an example. I said, well, you just paid three fifty for a latte that somebody just poured some coffee in and frost some milk and handed it to you. Like, this has been a process. This has taken hours to get this little cupcake into your hand. So, and then you can look at other things like, uh, you know, other comparative pricing, like cakes, like beautiful cake, like how much is a slice of cake across town at a really nice bakery. So I was definitely pushing the boundary for cupcake pricing at the time, but it wasn't like, it was still within the realm of luxury coffees and luxury cake slices. Yeah. Another question was, what do you say to entrepreneurs to stop doubting and just to go full steam ahead? Well, here's what I'll say. You know, you're never going to be a hundred percent ready. Even today, like I'll sometimes meet someone who's in my industry, in the food industry, maybe like a writer or something, a food writer. And they'll say, they'll meet me and they'll say, oh, well, where did you stage? Like where, like whose kitchen did you work in? And I think, Oh boy, here we go. I'm like, mine. <laughs> West Hollywood mine. apartment B. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Exactly. I'm like, sorry, but you know, and, and they're looking for this level of like career progress where, you know, you, you graduate pastry school, you go work in someone's kitchen, you stage with some famous chef, you do the X, Y, and Z. And I certainly could have done that. But 10 years later, I still wouldn't have been ready to start my own cupcake business. And that's what I wanted to do. And so the leap has to come at some point, right? So why not be now? Just go for it. Go for it. If you know that you've got yourself and you can fail completely and pick yourself up and dust yourself off, which by the way, if you look back in your life, you've done a million times already. So you know, you can do it. There's no reason to wait. And it's also, did I set out to create a national brand? Yeah, that was my dream, but I didn't set out to do that day one. No, on day one, I set out to create a really delicious vanilla cupcake recipe. Then the next week I set out to create a really delicious chocolate cupcake recipe. And then a month later, I started talking to suppliers. And then a couple of months later, I went to a bakery convention. And then a few months later, I talked to someone about restaurant equipment. It's like following the breadcrumbs, right? (laughs) And so you just do a little bit at a time. And before you know it, you look back and you're like, whoo, look how far I've come. Don't feel overwhelmed. It's one step at a time. That is so good. Um, We could just play that on repeat in every episode. (laughs) So if you could go back to the girl who was just starting with advice now, 
from what you learned from either what wound up working or from things that didn't work that you then pivoted around, what would be one piece of advice that you think could help her and also other aspiring entrepreneurs so that they maybe don't make that same mistake? I think I did get a little distracted at times with the competition and that doesn't do anybody any good. You know, really it's all about what you're, what you're doing and making sure you're delivering on your mission and your promise to your customers and being the best you can be. It's like, you know, I used to be a competitive swimmer and they always say, don't be moving your head to the side to look at where the competition is because you're losing seconds in the water. You're getting dragged. And so when I was worried about the cupcake, you know, shop that opened down the block or worried about one that like looked surprisingly like ours, you know, in Korea or whatever it was, it just was a distraction. And and what's so interesting is for as sort of miffed as maybe I was from time to time about that sort of thing, our customers were even more so like when the, when the cupcake shop opened down the block, they came in and they said, the nerve. Can you imagine? Look at the, look at where they chose to locate. And it's so funny because your customers, they got you. Like when you have loyal customers, they've hundred percent got your back and they're going nowhere. And, and that just was like such an amazing reminder that it's like, forget the noise, focus on yourself and your relationship with your customer. Yeah. And even with that, I won't even say what it was, but I, I know exactly which bakery, cupcakery it was. And they just appealed to a totally different person because right. the branding was so different. Yes. So, so different. So it's kind of like, just like you made friends in junior high and people were friends with other girls yes. and you're kind of similar. You're on the same age. You kind of like the same songs, but you're really different. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that bakery and you are just not even in the same planet. Just a completely it's so, different. It's so true. It's so true. It just was distracting. And anyway, I would have those words of advice. You're amazing. Tell us where we can find you, find all your awesome things and the content. And you have a podcast. You have so many things that we want to go and, and enjoy. So where do we go? Well, I would start with my Instagram. I'm at Candace Nelson and that's C-A-N-D-A-C-E. And a lot of people plug in an N before the C. So that's can dance, which I can dance, (laughs) but that's not how you spell my name. (laughs) All my junk mail comes in can dance Nelson. (laughs) Um, And I've been writing a lot of articles on medium, but you can find all of that stuff through my Instagram. So thank you, Kathy, for having me. This was so much fun. You are fun. You are sprinkles cupcakes. Like you give everyone (laughs) that same, like you just feel so good, but there's no calories here. It's just the best. (laughs) It's a good aura to like sit in all day long. Like I like making people's dreams come true. So (laughs) we can't wait to see what's next coming from you. It's just going to be all kinds of fun. This was great. Thanks, Candice. Thanks, Kathy. I always love talking to Candice. So much fun. If you want to see how awesome this was on video, you can head over to the Kathy Heller YouTube channel because we were always posting videos there. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, the little bits of joy and connection are a big deal. It's what we live for. Number two, raising your prices won't make you lose customers. It gets people intrigued. Number three, bet on yourself. You can fall flat on your face, get up, dust yourself off and keep on going. You can get through anything. Number four, feedback is a gift. Number five, give yourself time to nourish your body and soul. We need to be restored so we have more to give. Number six, you'll never be 100% ready, but the leap has to come at some point. Why not now? Just go for it. Number seven, follow the breadcrumbs. It's one step at a time. And number eight, forget the noise. Focus on your mission, your promise, and your relationship with your customers. All right, now we're going to celebrate some of our Made to Do This alumni. So Marnie said, I recently put the offer for my membership out. Four of the 11 beta testers signed up. I closed registration at midnight to have two of the other message and say they wanted in. One was stalling a bit and said maybe she would wait a couple months. I said that was totally fine, but reminded her that the founding member offer goes away after today. She said, okay, I'll sign up. Then she said she was worried about sustaining the monthly cost of $37. Before I would have felt all guilty and felt shame and desperation. Now I truly know I am offering a huge value for a very low price. I told her there was no pressure for her to join and explained the value she was getting at a huge discount. I'm okay if she doesn't sign up because I don't want someone that doesn't see the value. This is huge for me. Oh my gosh. 
Marnie, that is huge. That is a big win. I'm so proud of you for recognizing you don't have to appeal to every single person. Just like we said in this episode, you get to choose your fishing hole and boy, are you owning it. Way to go. I'm so excited for this membership you're building and I'd love to hear more as you keep growing it. So please keep us posted. Let's all give Marnie some love. Her Instagram is at the perfectly imperfect coach. All right, here's the next win. So Erica said, if you're thinking about joining the Made to Do This program, here are three reasons why you should do it today. Number one, this community of people is literally unlike anything I've been a part of. The support, the kindness, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. Number two, I have more than seven times my investment in the program. That means I've made over $21,000 since just a couple months ago. And number three, the confidence that I now have from the beginning of this program three months later is so unbelievable. It's incredible. It's really important to know that this isn't all about the tactical side of things. It's not all about the numbers. It's about the energy and the feeling and the joy that it brings you. I'm so glad I found this program and I was able to actually implement the lessons into my life, into my business and seeing how it came out the other side in ways I never thought possible. So thank you, Kathy, for all you have done. Darcy said, I've had so many insights and ahas. I expected the business content, but I didn't expect the personal transformation. I'm so grateful for both. I think the clear permission and takeaway that is forever changing is that you don't have to be everything to everyone. But that really freaked me out after working 25 years in nonprofit. Now I have lots of different models and I have a way to make an impact. I used to lose focus by trying to be too much to so many people. That's a long way of saying lots of work ahead, but I have my first contract as a consultant and I'm doing the work I love and I'm making the rest up as I go. That is so awesome. I love getting to know each and every one of the souls that goes through the Made to Do This program because I love everyone. You know, love is something, it's just a gift. It's just easy to give. And I love to give that kind of love to people, make people feel seen, hold up a mirror, show everybody the brilliance that is right there, right in front of them. And it's just such an incredible thing. I cry so hard every time the program ends because I truly fall in love with every one of these souls. All right, now it's time to celebrate today's giveaway winner. We're doing these giveaways every Monday and Thursday. So if you want a chance to win a cute hoodie or a mug, just leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, or you can post on your Instagram stories and just talk about why you love the podcast and tag me at kathy.heller. Today's winner is Janie Brainy. Here's what she said. Share this podcast now. A friend of mine turned me on to Kathy Heller and sent me a link to the episode. I remember Kathy talking about how you have to make a lot of bad stuff before you start making good things. So go ahead and make that garbage. That resonated with me. The reason I wasn't creating was because I didn't think I was any good and I wasn't, but I will become good if I give myself permission to make imperfect things so I can hone my craft. Now I give people that advice all the time. So good. That's so, so kind. Thank you so much for that. And thank you all for listening. It means the world to me that you show up here. So don't forget, Made to Do This still has early bird pricing. You will save $1,000 if you sign up by May 14th. You can grab your spot now at madetodothis.com. And you will also, as a bonus, be getting my podcasting course, which is a $1,500 value. You'll be getting that as well. So if you want to join me for 12 interactive weeks, I will be with you on Zoom. This is a hands-on transformational program like nothing else out there. If you want to join me for this and you want to save $1,000, go to madetodothis.com and sign up before May 14th. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen because it's always free to subscribe and we have so many great episodes coming up. Finally, I'm curious if you felt inspired by this episode. If you did, then tell your friend about it. Share a link, text a link, post about it on your Instagram. And if you do post about it on Instagram, tag me at kathy.heller and also tag Candace at Candace Nelson because she would love to know if these words were impactful to you. I'll leave you guys with a song of mine and I'll talk to you tomorrow.